here now by James from Alcoholics Anonymous Hong Kong. So Alcoholics Anonymous Hong Kong this year uh, recognising 50 years of the organisation in the city. James, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Chris. Good afternoon. Cheers. How are you today? It's hot outside. Well, it's very hot outside. <laughs> it's very, very hot outside. So, uh, so AA, um, I think... What's interesting about Alcoholics Anonymous is I was thinking about this the other day when a colleague mentioned that they were having their anniversary. I hadn't heard about them in a while. That you know that it's sort of one of those organisations. I, I, I see the the most I've seen of Alcoholics Anonymous is sort of caricatures in movies more than. <laughs> hearing about the organization right i think uh, brad pitt recently outed himself as well and so it's in all the uh the tablets oh sure that he, uh, sure that treatment but we uh we are anonymous and that's one of the characteristics of the organization so people come to us uh, looking for answers of whether they have a drinking problem and if they find that they do um we maintain anonymity uh, we don't allow uh, members to discuss each other's business outside of the rooms of aa and it's it's something that that I think has perpetuated the organization. So that's why we're so below the radar screen. Right, uh, we're sure, always sure. There. You are covert by nature. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're in about we're in 250 plus countries around wow. the world, and we've been in Hong Kong, as you said, for a little more than 50 years, actually. But this is our official 50th anniversary. Is there an origin story for how the organization got set up here that you know of? Yeah, it was a couple of expatriate journalists uh, who had uh, both gotten sober elsewhere and we're looking for a way to maintain their own sobriety. And part of our program is that to maintain your sobriety, you sort of pass it along. So they established an AA meeting. Uh, it was over, I believe, at the Mariners Club mm. uh, for the first time, the first meeting. And they, they just got together and gradually the group began to grow as it has in other cities around the world. And so, and so what does AA Hong Kong actually do? What's the, what's the mission of the organization? Well, it's like AA around the world. We, we basically are there to provide a safe place for people who think they may have a drinking problem. I mean, people initially come to us always hoping that they don't. Right, sure, <laughs> Suspecting sure. that they do. And they come in for a meeting and they listen to our own, our experience, our strength and our hope and what actually happened with us. We're not experts. I mean, mm. we don't bill ourselves as experts on alcoholism. Uh, we sit there and, and basically share what happened with us, how we came to find out that we might have a drinking problem and the story that followed on through that and how we recovered and came together. And we find that that's, that's enough. Um, that's sort of the magic bullet that has, has uh, gotten AA to be sustainable around the world is that one alcoholic sharing their experience with another works far better uh, in most cases than all different kinds of treatment. We're yeah. typically the last stop on the tour. People will try everything to control their drinking or to moderate and that sort of thing. And when all else has failed, they will show up at AA. All right. And what sort of uh, what sort of emotions do people have in that first that first meeting? <laughs> you know, <laughs> nobody walks in happy. Yeah, um, I can imagine. I, I think it's something where uh, again. My, from my own experience, um, I came in sort of hoping that it wasn't true, for that there would be some way that I could learn to drink like a gentleman, and all the things that were going wrong in my life were really somebody else's fault and not mine, uh, and certainly not the fault of my drinking. Typically, people will have this idea that, well, if you had my wife, my job, my, you know, my upbringing and so on, you'd drink too. Mm. Um, when people become extricated from the drinking, they begin to realize that it's kind of the other way around, that there were, these things are symptoms of, of a bigger problem. Sure. And that alcohol was part of it and usually masked some bigger problems uh, that the individual was having. And that was certainly the case with me.
And and how um, how can alcoholism affect the lives of somebody who is suffering from the disease, but also the lives of those around them? I mean, I, I know you've mentioned to me that, that it can be from lots of different, uh, lots in lot, many different ways. There's no there's no sure. stereotype of how it is. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think that that answer is as varied as the people that come in. And there are current membership in AA is is nearly three million people worldwide. Wow, and it's yeah. uh, in here in Hong Kong there are literally hundreds of us. Probably about two hundred people who attend meetings on a regular basis. So if you ask that question to any one of us you might get a different answer. Um, but I would say that the the effects that it has on the alcoholic directly are you know lost jobs, uh, yeah. you know, a, a career is, is often on the rocks, marriages, all different you know, types of family problems. But it, it's a disease that doesn't have a list of symptoms. Like, for instance, it, it's, you can't throw a, an x-ray up on the screen and say, see, that's where it's broken. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where your alcoholism is. Mm -hmm. More often than not, there are, are things like disgusted employers, uh, you know, children with severe problems, um, you know, spouses that are distraught. It, it can warp families and, and, the, and the lives of people around the alcoholic just as badly as the alcoholic himself. Sure. And um, I mean, is this something where uh, I think, you know, it can affect, you mentioned that it's not just about quantity, mm. right? It's not just about drinking a lot. That's right. It's about the effect that alcohol has on you, right? Yeah. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Sure, I mean, it, I guess the, the one thing that separates alcoholic drinking from normal drinking is the loss of control. And this is, you know, people will begin to drink and then rapidly lose control over the amount they take. And sometimes when they really want to stop, they can't. Uh, it's difficult to sort out that point where people cross over into that type of drinking because people deny that that's the problem. You know, mm -hmm. they, 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 very often real life problems will emerge before people are willing to, you know, uh, believe or even imagine that they can't control their drinking. So that's, it, it's the difficult part of diagnosing alcoholism. And it's almost always a self-diagnosed disease. Uh, it's yeah. not something that, again, that you can just take a, a blood test for. Sure. It, it has to show up in symptoms around you in your life. And most people who are attending meetings, are they are they attending, you know, like you said, under their own self-recognition? Do, do they get encouraged by other people to, to go? Very often, yes. I yeah. mean, a lot of times people will figure that, you know, to get their wife off their back. You know, right, sure. I need to stop drinking. And then and then they'll find that they can't stop drinking. And then they'll think, okay, well, maybe I'll check this AA thing out. Maybe they can teach me how to drink, you know, or something sure. like that. But And oftentimes uh, doctors or psychiatrists will, will help people come to the diagnosis that they maybe your drinking is part of your problem. And, and if you can't stop, why don't you try AA? So we get referrals from the medical community, the psychiatric community, very often the, the faith communities, uh, churches or, or mm -hmm, so on, mm -hmm. will, will refer people to us. Sure. So there is there is there is still some sort of public awareness about about Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay, we're going to go to a quick song uh, before we come back, and I think we can then talk a little bit more about what people can kind of expect on their their AA journey. What sure. what is this recovery framework, and why has it been a success? So this is Bruce Springsteen and Hello Sunshine Three with Hello Sunshine, and we're welcoming back James, who's with us from Alcoholics Anonymous Hong Kong. Hello, hello again, James. Hey, Welcome Bruce, back. So before uh, before the break, we we're talking a little bit about uh, AA Hong Kong and a little bit of its history. So I'd like to know a bit more about uh, the, what actually happens. What happens in a meeting? Because we have this, as I said, this caricature we see 
of group sure. therapy yeah. sort of things in movies where someone says, hello, my name is and I am an alcoholic. And it's almost kind of undercut maybe the impact and the power and the utility of that that kind of format of recovery program. Sure. Well, I actually, I mean, speaking for myself, I sort of welcome the fact that that it is more prominent in culture now than it was, say, when I first came around AA sure. more than 30 years ago. Uh, when I was, I came around for the first time in the 1980s, and there was a, a, still a fair amount of stigma around being an alcoholic and what that might mean. And now it's become more and more part of the popular culture. So it's actually lowered the barrier that some people have to coming to accept help for it. But when you come to your first meeting, it's you pretty much just walk in and, and you'll be one of the questions that's asked at the beginning, do we have anybody here for their first meeting? And mm. people will raise their hand. And then we explain what happens during a meeting. And we go around, we, it's called a first step meeting. Sure. Uh, and we, we go around the room and, and share just our own experience with what, what happened to us while we were drinking, uh, what brought us to the point where we needed, felt we needed to come and get help for it, and then what our lives are like now. Uh, what what's evolved in our life since then, and we invite people to you know to share after that if they feel that uh, that they might have something in common. Um, but it's a, there are no requirements. I mean, mm -hmm. it, you're not required to come back for a second meeting, and it's just an open resource. People won't take your business card or your or certainly not your mm -hmm. money or anything like that. There are no dues or fees for what mm -hmm. we do. Mm -hmm. The reason we do this is because it's there, there's an altruism to it that helps us stay sober ourselves. Sure. So in order to keep it, we say we have to give it away to the next person. Right. Oh, that's a beautiful way of thinking about something. And pe do people come back? Do people come back? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, it's funny. The success rates of AA have always been in debate, you know, like how how many people stay sober after their first meeting. And, and I think it's far more typical these days where somebody will come, they'll take the information, they may stay sober for a little while on their own. I mean, that was the case with me. I stayed sober for a while. I was kind of scared by what I heard. I was quite young when I first came in. Um, but then, you know, they may go back out again. But that sort of seed has been planted, the idea that there's a place where they can go and get help. And it's the image have for them in their head is likely changed from a bunch of men sitting around in trench coats with, with wine bottles in sure, their pocket sure. to, you know, professionals and people that you yeah. would see every day on the street. So it, that that seed that's planted is often the way that people get sober. And it might be a month, a year or five years later when they come back to their next meeting. But they will have had that experience. They would have had that experience. And then uh, in a transient place like Hong Kong, because it is a transient city, you know, are you finding that people come through? You may see somebody or do you have sort of is there a lifelong connection? Is that what some of this convention, the convention oh, is kind of about? That's a great way to, to lead into the convention because yeah. that's exactly what it's about. I mean, the conventions are usually more or less a celebration of sobriety. It's something that we do to have fun, you know, and, and it, in Asia, they tend to bring in people from around the region. So we'll have friends come in from the groups in China, from the groups in Japan and, and Singapore and all over the region. But more importantly, people who have lived here over the years. I mean, there are people that have long since retired and left Hong Kong in Perth, for instance, or in, you know, in, in, uh, in San Francisco right, that yeah. will fly back and, and, and visit with friends. I mean, I've been here myself. Uh, since the early 90s and so I see people that have long since moved on when they come back to the convention and it's really nice that way but we also during the convention will also have step meetings and workshops and you know and things like that and and it, it's it's kind of a, a refreshing or rejuvenating approach to to the sobriety that we have <laughs> I have maybe a silly and not very sensitive question do they serve alcohol at the convention? No. Yeah, I, I, I just, 
They're very often at hotels. Okay, sure. And and uh, and in, in certainly in our case, um, they're at the hotels, and there will be a bar at the hotel. Sure, but they it, won't be alcohol served at the convention. I was about well, to say, I, right? yeah, I'd be a little awkward. But yeah, it, but it, it isn't, and, and I don't want to create the wrong impression. Yeah, I mean, we 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 live in society. We go to bars ourselves. We mm, go to parties, mm, and we mm. just don't drink when we're there. Yeah. Um. But it. But uh, and when spouses, for instance, will come along to the convention or other family members, then they'll order a glass of wine or something or go to the bar. But it isn't sure. something. It's not something. I was just, I'm just I, checking. I they, just... No, that's okay. They just wouldn't sell a lot of wine if they tried to sell it there. So. And um, so, I mean, is this something that's with you all the time? So are you, you know, is, is it a constant, like, demon on your back? Can you be, you know, if you're still going to Alcoholics Anonymous, are you a recovered alcoholic once you've found sobriety? Or are you, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you yourself or others see themselves in that journey well it that's an interesting point and like everything else in life and it is it, it becomes for us and we say one day at a time but it really becomes a way of life it becomes a you know a part of, of what we do for me I, I like to tell people that, that being an alcoholic is as much a part of my life as being six foot two and mm-hmm. having male pattern baldness um, <laughs> but you know which is really true it's part of my identity not that <laughs> yeah, exactly. well it's part of you haven't seen it from back oh, sure. but but uh, but no the it, it's it's part of my identity it's who I am. Yeah. So uh, I don't consider it a demon on my back. Right. But it is something that requires, sobriety requires a constant maintenance. And it, it's something where, uh, and I, it's part of my life. I enjoy it. As I say, it, I, I sort of have to show up and give it away a little bit mm-hmm. in order for me to maintain a positive and, and, and fulfilling sobriety. Um, it is... It, I used to say, and, and when I was younger, I had trouble staying sober. I would go to meetings for a while and I'd stop and so on because I wanted to compartmentalize that part of my life. Sure. So I've stopped drinking. Now I want to get on with the rest of my life. And really for an alcoholic, at least one like me, mm-hmm. uh, it isn't something I could just set to the side. It had to become uh, you know, part of my everyday activity, part of what I, I plan on. I have... Most of my friends are, are members of AA, and, and that's enriching for me. Yeah, I was going to ask that question. I was saying, you know, even with the anonymity, can you form friendships? You know, if you oh, if sure. you bump into somebody in town when you're with colleagues and you say, oh, hey, you know, Paul, Mary, Peter, you yeah. know, can they say, oh, how do you know each other? And, you, you know, do you say, oh, just from around, just oh, from around? We do say something like that. In fact, it's it, I, I quite often say we just have mutual friends. Oh, you know, sure, we sure. And, you know, in Hong Kong, in a community like this, as you yeah. say, it's People transit. don't really question that of much. Of course, they don't it, question it's not that, that big a deal. Yeah. Um, they do kind of tend to notice when there's four or five of us together and nobody's drinking. <laughs> <laughs> but it's sure. not that big a deal. Sure. And, um, and meetings are held pretty regularly in Hong Kong, aren't they? Yeah, we yeah. have meetings every day. We have... Uh, Every day, three, yeah, every three, day. sometimes four or five a day. Wow. Yeah. So it, it um, and they're they're at, at fairly central locations, so that people can find us pretty easily. And when people do want to find us, we have a hotline number. Um, mm-hmm. It's on our website. Sure, and you're welcome to share it now. You know what? I got to look it up. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, you know, I, <laughs> I don't have it. Me. I've got it here. Uh, you can contact the the AA hotline is nine zero seven three six nine two two nine zero seven three six nine two two or the website, which is aahk.org. Um, Aa-hk.org, yep. um, but um, I'll put a link up on um, the cruise on RTHK Radio Three Facebook page as well after this program. Uh, so yeah, so people can find you, and um, you know, is there anything you'd like to say to someone who's maybe you know maybe having these feelings? Sure. That, you know, if they they're younger, they're a different stage in their life. Or is there anything you would want to share with them to maybe take these steps? Because it seems like Alcoholics Anonymous has been a positive part of the life you've led. Oh yeah. I, I think that the, the number one thing I would emphasize, but it, it, unfortunately, people who are 
have their back against the wall. We'll very rarely hear it, but there's nothing to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. If you want to get help, if you want to check it out, there's no obligation. Uh, and you, the worst thing that could happen is that you sort of walk away with a better idea of, of your, a better awareness of who you are and whether or not drinking is a problem in your life. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no risk to checking it out. The only, it, you know, we tell people when they're new, if it sounds like they have a problem, they say, well, try it for 30 days. You know, mm -hmm. try it for 60 days. See if your life doesn't get better in the interim. If it mm -hmm. doesn't, there's no obligation. You don't have to hang around. Yeah, and, and like you said, how people go to meetings as it suits them and their journey, right? So it's not, you know, do people, do some people go every day? Do people go a couple of times a week, once a yeah, month? Yeah, I mean, I've found it, for me different times in my life, I, I actually need to go to more and times I go fewer. These days, um, I've been around for, for a while now, and these days I, I only go once or twice a week. Um, I'll go more often if there's somebody there that needs me. Like I sponsor a number of new people in AA, and, and if they're going to go to a Thursday evening meeting and I don't ordinarily go to that, they, and they need to talk, I'll go into that meeting and spend time with them before or after the meeting or, or have a cup of coffee with them. So, um, you know, I'm comfortable with where that is, but I've not so re not so long ago felt that I needed to be at four or five meetings a week. Sure. You know, and so, I, yes. I was between jobs and I needed to be more active and more uh, and participate more in this. It kind of gets you out of your own head. Yeah. And gives you an, a, a way of giving something back. Of when course. You, when, when Sharing those of, stories. Exactly. Those well, stories. When you're at risk of collapsing into yourself. Absolutely. Well, James, we are very, very grateful to have you join us today on the program. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Um, again, if you want any uh, extra information, aahk.org. Uh, now.